and welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going to be looking at the target novelisation of Genesis of the Daleks, one we've been, I certainly have been very much looking forward to. I don't know about you, Paul, but uh, hmm. yes, we're looking forward to it. But um, but first things first, everybody, Happy New Year. Yes. Yes, we're, we're, two, year, we, yeah. yes, we're, two, we're two weeks into the New Year. It's our first podcast of the year. So, uh, yes, Happy New Year, everybody. And... Uh, yeah, well, unfortunately, we, we're going to sort of start this podcast off with, with right, two two bits of sad news, actually, um, in our kick, to kick off the news section, or the first news section of uh, 2018. And that first up, we've got the news that David Fisher, or the writer, I should say, David Fisher, um, has died at the age of 88. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know who David Fisher is, he wrote one of our favourite um, Doctor Who serials from the Key to Time season. Um, the first one that was the Stones of Blood, uh, yes. which we did a, a we done the commentary. Have we done a, the done the novelisation as well? Haven't we for that one? Um, I can't remember. I, I, can't we, remember if we, I don't know if we have done a novelisation. We've certainly done the commentary for yeah, it. Yeah, certainly did. Yes, um, so one one of our favourite one of our favourite stories, which we sort of very much enjoyed doing. And he also wrote the Androids of Tara um, as well, which was um, based on the sort of the or heavily. So influenced by the Prisoner of Zender, I should say. Um, um, it's another one I actually quite enjoy, but you're not quite so sure about Andros at all, if I remember our previous conversations on that one. Um, no, it's all right. I mean, I don't, I, 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 I'm, I'm okay with the key to time stuff. So Yeah, same here, actually. I think it's quite um, it's quite an interesting season, actually, Yeah, to be honest. Um, and then he returned again after that with Creature from the Pit. Um not quite so successful that one, but no. <laughs> um, and then his final one was the Leisure Hive, um, yes. which I I can't remember too much about. I must revisit that story. It's, it's season eighteen's not something I revisit very often. I've got to no. be honest. I'd say no, no, no. So um, yeah, I may have to revisit that one uh, at some point. But um, no, he I mean, he wrote. Sort of quite prolifically for television, sort of the Hammer House of Mystery and Suspense, the Hammer House of Horror, Crown Court, our, our perennial favourite on this podcast, Crown Court, uh, Dixon of Doc Green, uh, to, to name but a few. So, um, yeah, yeah, sort of very prolific sort of television writer. Um, that's sort of, sort of um, quite quite sad to sort of start the year off this way, really. Yes, but, um, as as we as we keep saying when this happens, it's, it's it, this sort of news is going to become more and more common, unfortunately. That sort of that that yeah. era of Doctor Who is sort of taking a bit of a a bit of a hit, but um, but for of also following from that, also the news that uh, the actress or actor, whatever you want to say now, uh, Bella Emberg, also sadly passed away um, as well. Now I think to a lot of British viewers, she'd be most known for um, has been one of the sort of mainstays of the Russ Abbott show, yes. uh, where she played Blunder Woman. Um, it wasn't something I watched, Paul. I don't know about yourself back in the no, day. not particularly. No, no. no I, I wasn't a, a fan of uh, Russ Abbott, if I'm, I'm perfectly honest. Um, but she did actually appear um, in four Doctor Who serials. Um, she was in Doctor and the Silurians. She played a nurse. Oh, I don't remember that at all, to be honest. No. Um, no, I yeah, really just don't. As, just as a yeah, obviously as a sort of almost extra, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so. And uh, then she played a kitchen maid in the Time Warrior, um, which I do remember because we when we did the commentary for that, um, I do remember the one well, that was one of the main characters knocking a, a pot of something out of her hand. Yeah, 
Yes. With like a gah sort of thing, uh, which I remember laughing at quite a lot for some reason. Um, then she played Mrs. Crew in Love and Monsters, which I do not remember. Again, I, I've got no, no recollection of. No. <laughs> yeah. That... Obviously seamlessly fitted in. Yeah. Yeah, I've got no recollection of that whatsoever. And then she did also reprise that role again in The Runaway Bride, but that scene was deleted, it says here, from the right. final edit. Um but yeah, I mean, okay, very, very tenuous links to Doctor Who here, but I think it's it, it mean it means more to British viewers because really because of the Russ Abbott show, yeah. I think really. Um, but she was in things like A Man About the House, George and Mildred, Father Dear Father, which was uh, I think again very much of its day as well. Um, yeah. and, cu- and, and another thing very much of its day, <laughs> curry, <laughs> curry and chips. chips. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't actually think it was part much of its day then, was it? Really, part of its no, day then? No, no. I think. I think, <laughs> I, I you think might it was be about right. ten years past part of its date by then. Well, I have to be. Honest, I do have Curry and Chips on DVD because I'm. A, I'm a Spike Milligan completist. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it is very, very. I gotta put it. It's, it's misguided. Yes. Put it that it's very, very misguided in what it was trying to achieve, um, which was the. A typical Johnny Spate. You know, those of you who don't know out there, Johnny Spate wrote um, Till Death or Stu Part, which is the Afghanic character. For those of you in America, I think that's what Archie Bunker uh, was based on. And yeah, that that was you were you were Alf, the character of Afghanic was a massive racist. He was a bigger uh, misogynist, sexist. You name it, he he was it, and he was the butt of all the. The butt of everyone's was jokes, say, wasn't he? Is that what the president's now based on? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is it. Donald Trump is his basic Alf Garnet in a in a wig. But that that is it. You've got it. You've nailed it right there, Paul. <laughs> so, um, but they they tried Johnny Spate tried a similar sort of thing about a really tool with like race relations and an immigration um, with this this thing called curry and chips and. Um, no, it didn't work. It didn't no. work at all. Um, and I, I can usually find something funny in anything that Spike Milligan does, but there wasn't a lot to laugh at in this. There really wasn't. It's uh, no. no, it's it's quite uncomfortable to watch. And again, I don't remember Bellerinburg being in it. Right. No, <laughs> I'm doing this 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 poor woman a vast disservice here. I don't remember anything that she was in, even though I've actually watched it. So. <laughs> But um, so, yeah, the, the only the only thing we can remember her being in is something we never watched. So. Oh no, exactly, exactly. Oh dear, oh dear. So um, a rather sad way to, to start off the start off the start off the, the first podcast of the year as well. Actually, is two um, two people passing. But um, anyway, let's let's move on to uh, on to other news now. Um, as we know, on our last podcast, we reviewed uh, Twice Upon a Time, and. Um, now, if, if the Daily Mirror is to, be, is to be believed, there is something in there that, um, in Twice Upon a Time, that um, someone's taken exception to, and that's the character of um, the Brigadier's grandfather, um, which the, the the estate of Mervyn Hazeman, who co-created the character of the Brigadier of Henry Lincoln um, for the Web of Fear serial in 1968, they're considering legal action because they reckon it, it flaunts the, the rules on intellectual property. Um, now, you you are our, our resident legal expert here, Paul. <laughs> not intellectual property or not, no. <laughs> um, I, I reckon it's a little bit flimsy, this, isn't it? 
I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, what, what, what if it's to be believed, put it that way, is where does that? I mean, did they ask permission to for Kate Stewart? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because because if they didn't need coffee, if they didn't need permission to do that, then I'm not sure why they'd need permission. For do, this, yeah, yeah, um, I, I'd, I'd have thought that was a close. That was more of a a case for for for, for infringement than this. Well, certainly, certainly. I mean, I haven't heard anything um, about I mean, that the fact. The I'm, fact I'm, is, if if they applied and had to get permission for that, yeah. then and they didn't for this, then you'd think to yourself, well, why did you bother asking for the other one if you don't think you needed to for this? It's well at the say this is in the Daily Mirror, so um, yeah. you know you take it with a with a with a, a grain of salt or a massive sack of salt. Really, it depends which way you look at it. Um, but no, you you made a good point though. I don't rec- I don't recall the same fuss being made about Kate Stewart unless they did seek permission on that one. Who knows? But the thing is, they didn't mention the brigadier by name. No. Um, just because they they, they tagged the Lethbridge Stewart on the end of it, that all of a sudden they seem to think that's their intellectual property, but it's a completely new character. So I can't see how they have got any claim on intellectual property on that one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it comes down to. I mean, there must be claim on characters, otherwise, people would be now making their own. Iron Man films and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, if if you read on down this, we're looking at this um, um, link to the Radio Times on this, and I've just scrolled down a bit further. There is actually um, an update to this story, and this this just shows what an absolute nonsense this was. It says the Hazeman Estate and the BBC have agreed an amicable and non-financial solution to the issue. So, what the hell was the point of bringing it up in the first place, then? Um, I don't know though. No, I suppose. I mean, it may be that they're saying, "Well, look, you know, this wasn't about money. This was just about the fact that you just can't go around lifting people's work and sticking it in." I can't see that they were lifting other people's work, though. That's the thing. So, I mean, think about well, all the. I mean, the the character of Kate Stewart. Um, I think it was actually sort of introduced years ago. Was it one of those? Um, Oh, BBV video things, you know, those things that they that were sort of connected to Doctor Who, but not Doctor Who, straight yeah. to video, um, sort of plays, films, or whatever you want, uh, whatever you want to call no them. No problem with copyright there. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, oh, well, maybe the copyright thing was, was sorted back in the day, you know, when, when they were made. Um, I thought maybe there would yeah, have been even know. more of a. Um, a copyright claim from BBV against the BBC for the use of Kate Stewart. If it was BBV, I can't remember the hell, where the hell did it oh. now. But uh, yeah, it was. Um, I'm, I'm unless, unless the estate obviously thought, right, we've let one pass and we've not said anything. But if they're now going to create a whole family, oh. we'd better. Yeah, we'd better um, put, a, put a marker down that they need our permission to do it. And that may be what the the agreement was. Maybe just they can't do it, you know. Well, in future, you've got. Do you to... remember that um, a, a few years ago? Wasn't there some sort of um, someone also putting a copyright claim in against? Wasn't it against the TARDIS or something? 
Yeah. I don't remember whatever happened to that. And then no. that wasn't there the one about Davros as well and maybe yeah I, oh god there's so many have sort of cropped up I think any as soon as anything becomes successful and then there's money to be made um this sort of thing always tends to happen doesn't it yeah I mean, I suppose there's a question there. How Terry Nation would have taken if the BBC had turned around and started saying, oh, no, 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 no it's a grandfather of the Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a long white beard and smokes a pipe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, well. Yeah, it just a funny sort of a bit of a non-story, really, once you've sort of got down to the end of, end of the article. But it just seemed a bit... It, it seemed to, to me just smacked a bit of, oh, here we go again. You know, someone else trying to stake their claim on Doctor Who. But, um, oh, well. Oh, well. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think if you're a writer and you create a character, then I I, I think you, you, you should have some sort of say, obviously, on trust, it. And, trust you and to fall on the side of the law. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stating our position when someone tries to come up with grandchild of Who's He podcast. Oh Christ! Oh well, yeah, that, that what, as if that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll leave that to my states as thought out. When I oh God. Right, actually, well, if any if anybody's got a claim to it, it's Tony because it's it's from his saying that we we. we, yeah. we yeah. <laughs> oh, don't tell him that. He'll have us paying royalties. He would do and all. <laughs> In alcohol, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Right now, um, we will return to a little bit about twice upon a time after this next news item, but um, it's a little bit of series eleven news now. As we know, sort of series eleven news is very, very few and far between because I think Chris Chibnall is playing his cards very, very closely to his chest. Um, but I think since we've been um, away for the last couple of weeks, there has been a couple of announcements on at least two directors um, uh, for the for next series of Doctor Who. And the first one is doing the block one of film is Jamie Childs, um, apparently doing episode one and episode seven. Um, now, Jamie Charles also directed the little, um, I'll say teaser, but the the reveal of Jodie Whittaker um, during yes. Wimbledon last year. Um, so um, there we go. And then another director who's been announced is, now I am hope I'm pronouncing uh, her name right, is um, Sally Aprahamian. I think I hope to God that's right. I really do. Um, now, she's oh, been... I'm not about to correct you. <laughs> it seems to read right looking at that, Abrahamian. Um Now, she's going to be directing block three um, of um, of this series. Um, now, I think Sally Abrahamian's done quite a bit of, um, of work. And actually, looking at both of their um, IMDb um, profiles, I haven't got them on screen in front of me at the moment, but they have got quite a broad experience of directing for television that they haven't sort of concentrated on just doing one thing yeah. there's a lot of soap opera stuff a lot of children's television um so i mean it could be quite interesting what what they're what they could bring to this there doesn't appear to be any sort of dedicated sci-fi background to either of them yeah so oh, you can you can you can hear the complaints they're going to turn it into a children's soap opera <laughs> 
Well, who knows? Because no, nobody's really sure what the direction of Doctor Who's going to be taken. Um, but there's... Have you seen... I think it was... I think it was today, actually, or yesterday, um, something came out. Doctor Who's actually filming in South Africa yeah. at the moment. And there has been one leaked picture, uh, which we haven't broadcast anywhere. I know we're, we're sort of spoiler-adverse on this podcast, um, but there has been one sort of very grainy, long-distance shot of um, Jodie Whittaker in costume. Um, sort of... I, I, I was going to say, I haven't actually seen it, so shall I try and describe it to the listener? Yes. <laughs> But that's it. It, it, it's, it doesn't give anything away at all, really. It's just sort of very, very, very grainy photograph, very low resolution. Um, I hope it's not their new cameras they're using. Oh, Christ, no. <laughs> <laughs> what am I paying my licence <laughs> fee was, for? <laughs> that was actually a shot from the, from the production. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, the other thing, of course, we know we, we're getting um, sort of 10 episodes. Um, ne- next season the first episode is going to be uh, a feature length hour long story, uh, story and the remaining nine episodes are going to be 50 minutes in length yeah. um, which I think I think somebody said well we were getting you know 11 hours worth of Doctor Who this year assuming that there was going to be a Christmas special in there as well but no I think that actually includes all the ad breaks and God knows what which should put it up, up over to 11 hours um, and actually, no news yet on a, on a Christmas special. So um, who knows with that? Do you know what? I wouldn't mind if we don't get one. To be honest, I think there's. I know this sort of like it's become a bit of a mainstay of Christmas, um, and that's the reason why Stephen Moffat stayed on a little bit longer. But um, I'm not too bothered to be honest. There's, there's so much pressure put on um, on Doctor Who to you know to be brilliant and more better than last year's one. Um, what do you think about that? Cause it, I think that's what more uh, wise felt, didn't they? They thought the pressure was too much. So, so you think they need to bring Shirley Bassey in? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, the the problem is once it stops becoming a flagship program for the BBC. Yeah. Then is there the fear that then it just becomes easier to sideline it? Well, I think the mistake that's happened on previous years that the Doctor will always regenerate at Christmas or the New Year. Yeah. Which I, I don't think it's the right time of year for for a regeneration. To be honest, I, I like those episodes where it doesn't involve anything. It's just a bit light-hearted, which is what you want. I, I personally for you what you you need for Christmas Day. Yeah. But the others have been sort of fairly sort of doom laden <laughs> sort of stories, haven't they? Right. Again, you've got the problem that no new show. You, you, we usually get a, a new showrunner with a, with a regeneration. Yeah, usually. And no new showrunner wants to start with a Christmas special. No, they don't. Exactly. So there you go. You've got to end it with the at the Christmas if you're. Yeah, which which do that. which what what brings me back to should we not have a Christmas special then? Because if you, if you're getting an outgoing showrunner. Almost treading water towards him because he so he he was going to bow out at the end of yeah. se- of, a, of that season. I thought, oh well, I better stay on just to make sure Dotsu gets a Christmas special. Um, it's not really the right reasons to stay on board, really, is it? No, but if, if, you, if you've already wrapped, if you've already wrapped I, I, I it think... up and you know and you've got to yeah. rewrite everything to accommodate an extra episode. Which was what we said like when we reviewed it. it, it there wasn't a lot to it, was there? No. 
But I mean, just just from a point of view of where Doctor Who stands in the BBC's portfolio, I think it needs to keep with a Christmas special. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe, maybe. And that, that's the reason, more than anything else. Unless Chibnall's saying, well, you know, because we don't know what's going through Chris Chibnall's mind at the moment, he could say, well, you know, I'm not interested in doing Christmas specials. So, hmm. who knows? Who knows? But, yeah. but as you say, the BBC sees it as its flagship show or, or, or treats it as its flagship show. Um, well, so, certainly one of them. I mean, you, yeah. basically Christmas Day is really the BBC trying to do what, their their major shows, isn't it? The yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. The, sort of the big like ratings say, winners. If Doctor Who loses that space, then I don't know whether it just makes it easier to to keep pushing it further and further off the from away from the centre. If you know what I mean. Well, let's see then what the viewers thought of Twice Upon a Time because we've we've got the final chart position, and that means a trip to Omega's Stats Corner. <laughs> Right, okay, so, um, finally, Doctor Who got um, a final viewing figure of 7.92 million, uh, which made it uh, ninth, the ninth most watched uh, programme for the weekend in th- uh, 31st of December. Uh, yeah. With the top programme being the New Year's Eve fireworks on the 31st, which got 10.4 uh, million viewers. I was going to say, handily placed on the 31st. It was, wasn't it? Yes, yes. The BBC are trying to move those to their Christmas Day part of the TV thing, but they haven't managed it yet. <laughs> that's, that's what will replace Doctor Who. Christmas it will Day. do, yeah, exactly. Now, I can't remember what the overnights were. It was five point something or other, wasn't it? it was, and it yeah. was still quite a good... Um, well, say... It, it was it was okay in the in the charts for that day, um, but um, I can't remember what, what it what, how much it's gone up. Um, but the iPlayer downloads as well. It just got oh just over a million um, sort of downloads or views, um, so, which made it again the ninth in the iPlayer chart as well. Yeah. So um, and basically the iPlayer chart was just completely wiped out by EastEnders. It was in first, second, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth place for that week. Yeah. I always find that quite odd that there can be a couple of million difference in, say, viewers for Coronation Street over a course of a week, different episodes during the week. You're thinking, well, you know, surely you've got to watch every episode. You would have thought so, wouldn't you? You would have thought so. You just sort of pick and choose the episodes you watch and see if it makes sense to. I don't know. Or was wasn't there was there something special happening in Coronation Street this year? Was there a, a... Murder Absolutely or no idea. death, or was there? Wasn't there a, no, that, a massive accident in East Enders? Yeah, I, I, I don't watch any of the soaps at all, so I, I, I shouldn't really pass any, any opinion no. on it. To be honest with you, but uh, oh well, oh well. So um, there we go. There's not much more we can say on that. To be honest, is there? No, no, and I don't want to. So. <laughs> Oh, well. So anyway, folks, uh, that's it for the news uh, for this week. So coming up next, uh, we're going to be talking about the target novelisation of Genesis of the Daleks. So for another week, then, that was the news.
Right everybody, um, it's time to kick off our first review of the year and as we previously mentioned, we're going to be talking about the target novelisation of Doctor as it says here, Doctor Who and the Genesis of the Daleks. Um, this was once again written by Terence Dix and it was first published in 1976. Uh, so, Paul, you have the the honour to start this with the first review of the year. So, yeah, what do you think? Um... I don't know, really. You don't know, okay? Not, well, not, I, not, not anything about. I mean, the story is brilliant. We know the story is brilliant. Yeah, and it goes at a good pace. Just how much did the book bring to to it is the is the problem. It really was sticking fairly close to the the screen story, wasn't it? It was. It was. Um... And I, I, do you know what I think? That's the that's the problem. So I think something like Genesis of the Daleks, the, the the televised version, is so firmly ingrained in every Doctor Who fan's mind. Yeah. That to when I when I was reading this, as you as you quite rightly say, it, it stuck to the plot as you basically saw it on the screen. And I think this was probably it does. Why I read it is does seem to to have been. Um, Based on like a first draft script, TV script, yeah. um, because the if you take things like Davros in this, the description of him um, is pretty vague. Because you, yeah. you, you you know what he looks like. But as I say, he's such an iconic character. You know what he looks like, but in the book, it just means oh, he's, he's in a wheelchair. Doesn't say it looks like half of a Dalek base or anything like that. Um, it talks about like the, the single eye. In his head, um, but it doesn't go into any great descriptive detail about him. No, I and, yeah, I. So yeah, I was going to say, and some, of the, but and also some of the the um, a lot of the dialogue, as well, which you you because we've seen Genesis of the Daleks so many times, and it's you've we basically memorized it. To hear it in a slightly different or read it in a slightly different format. Um, it it didn't read quite so well, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to get on and watch it. To be honest, same here. Well, do you know what? I I was I was a different opinion to you because I read it first, and what I usually do, I read it up to a certain point. Well, I know that's the end of the first episode, and I, then I watch the, I do it like an episode that reads up to the first episode, then watch it, then do the second episode and the read it and then watch it and 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 so on and so on. Um, but I didn't do that this time. I, I just went all the way through it, um, and I thought, "Well, do I really need to watch Genesis of the Daleks?" Because I, I know it inside out. Mm. To 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 be honest, and and in the end, yeah, I did watch it because it is just so damn good. To be honest yeah. with you, you know. But um, and, and this is the problem. I mean, what really can you do to this when you're novelising this story? What what more are you really going to do to this? To, to make it better well not really much there isn't really a huge amount unless you're going to try and give more background to the characters or whatever no um which this doesn't try to do so then really you are just presenting the story yeah and, and fair enough i mean this this is these books were were done for that weren't they for in, in, in oh god yeah a time before dvds and VHS even, you know, this this was the only way you was going to relive the story when you wanted to. Yeah. So, yeah. 
but it's just sort of you're sort of reading it and it's slightly disappointed that there wasn't anything really new coming through that just gave you that oh never thought of that as an angle on this or yeah that's it whatever that's it. well there was I mean there was a couple of um sort of strange sort of I say strange but sort of character beats for for Harry Sullivan in this one um it's like in the, in the in the bit where they are um, in the first episode where they get attacked in the bunker by the Thals, and that's when they get with the with the gas attack. Yeah, <clears throat> and in the book, um, it mentions sort of like Harry was used to box in the navy. Yeah, which you can imagine his character doing to to uh, sort to, to be perfectly honest, um, and he sort of gets a couple of good right hooks in before he, they're just overpowered by the sheer numbers of of, of soldiers. Um, and again, the bit where he gets attacked by the giant clam. Now, they di- obviously, they didn't try and write that out, did they? <laughs> no. The giant clam. But it's that bit when they're going back through that, that, that cavern and he sees the clams and he can't resist giving one a little kick yeah. on the way past, which doesn't happen on, on the TV version. Um, and I quite like they sort, of, they sort of try to embellish the characters. But again, I don't know if that was originally there. As you say, because this does appear to be written around the original uh, TV script or shooting script, or what you want to call it. Um, yeah. And that got, they just got, oh no, we, we, won't, we won't bother with that bit, for, you know, for, for time or or they just decided it wasn't going to work on the day or something. Because um, I do notice, actually, not, not many of those uh, clams actually move the second time around. No. <laughs> on the TV version. <laughs> so... Yeah, that may yeah, have been a case of, yeah, it's just yeah. easier to do. I mean, there was other little bits, you know, you picked up. The fact of when they're talking about the... When they come across the uni, the first soldier, basically, in the crater. Yeah. And they're saying about, you know, like finding some of a... From the Stone Age man with a transistor radio. Yeah. And the... The rock Harry, music. The, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. just sort of goes, and it just they just leave it, don't they? In the TV, do they just carry on? Yeah. Whereas in the book, you know, you sort of had the, you know, a bad joke sort of. Yeah, Harry sort, Harry's of, bad. sort of grins, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the TV version, it's not really explicit that it's a joke. No. You, you you get a little, a very, very subtle rolling of the eyes from um, Elizabeth Sladen. Yeah. But that's it. There's no, it's not sort of played up enough, is it, to realise it, oh. it was a joke? Oh, the, the other bit that was actually quite subtle that sort of actually probably only necessarily picked up again, having read the book, is when they actually do come back through the cave. Yeah. And they're saying about, you know, and Sarah Jane says about, oh, there could be something nasty at the waiting for them in the, um, the, the shaft. The, yeah, yeah. And... The doctor says, "Oh, that's all right, because Harry's gone first. Yeah, sort of thing. And you actually, you know, in there, you know, you get the in the book, you get the oh, you know, Sarah realizes that you know the doctor's thinks it must be safe because otherwise he wouldn't have let Harry go first. Mm. Yeah, and that just in the TV thing though, you just get this one moment where she just sort of pauses for a minute, tuts, and then goes forward as she realizes what the doctor's said." Yeah, and I just thought I actually thought that was so well underplayed actually on the TV. <laughs> it is. I, I mean, they I think didn't, they didn't make a big thing of it on the. T- you know, there wasn't the 
you know, she, she turns around to the doctor and says something or anything. <clears throat> it just literally is just a uh, just a little pause that's you know where she works it out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I um, the the, the uh, actually Liz was saying does a lot of the, those two scenes we just talked about there in, in the TV. She does a lot of underplaying the scene. Yeah, there actually. Um, as you say, I think, I think it it pays off on that on the the second example you gave. There, I don't think so much on the first one because I think it's such a the, the rock music joke is such a subtle joke. Yeah, it needs the other character to really overplay it a little bit more. To, yeah, no, to I sell think it. I, I mean, it just whatever it was, just put in there, and it was just like, oh, let's see what if anybody gets that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but the only sort of two major sort of changes I can I can sort of think of really uh, between the, the book and the and the screen um, was one that is, is the um, I think it was the incubator room scene yeah where the I mean obviously that again that's one of the most iconic things from um, for Jesse the Daleks when episode five ends with the Doctor being strangled by the the Carl of mutants inside. Um, but in the book, it's just it's just a, a pool of black goo that sort of roots the Doctor to the spot. Yeah, um, and there's no sort it's of supposed to be nutrient or something. For yeah, them, exactly. Yeah, so it's, not, it's not. Yeah, it's not even a, a coloured new, uh, mutant as such, is it? Yeah. Um, so I don't know what what works best actually in that, in that situation because I say that 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 strangulation thing is so as I said so iconic. Yeah, and this and that and that's a little bit well. Okay, yeah, the doctor's still in, in in peril, but not a lot of peril really. He's just sort of no. rooted to the spot, um, and it's over and done with very very quickly. In the book, isn't it? Yeah, they they he's just pulled out and that's just that, pulled out and that's it. Yeah, there's no sort yeah. of struggle or anything like that. Um, and I think the other the other one where the doctor again a fairly iconic one where the doctor's trying to disable the Thale rocket. Um. In the in the TV series, obviously, you know the the guard they've knocked out just has got recovers consciousness enough to drag himself across the floor to press that button to electrify the fence, and the doctor gets sort of trapped on it. Yeah. Um, but in the book, it's the rocket itself is electrified as, as a security measure. Measure when it's not being yeah when there's not people around it. Yeah. Um, which I think works better. Yeah, and the conversation will you know you, they they realise in the control room or whatever that someone's tampered with it yeah and they say well he'll be dead yeah precisely yeah and I, th- I think that works one hell of a lot better than than a, a guard dragging himself or yeah. a half conscious guard dragging himself across the floor um yeah that's, but, that's to why they, they'd electrify that bit <laughs> yeah and not a fence <laughs> yeah was it the fence or was it that that gantry thing that sarah jane was climbing up earlier on it was the gantry thing yeah well, well yeah, yeah it was wasn't it yeah just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, whether it's supposed to be that they can electrify all of that to stop. Perhaps they, you know, the idea was that they put they they'd electrified that to stop prisoners from climbing up it anymore. They just hadn't t- bothered turning turning it on. It on yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly. One one thing actually watching this, yeah, that hadn't occurred to me until actually probably reading the book and then watching it. Um, they're putting the whatever the explosive stuff. Radioactive explosive stuff, it loading it into the nose cone. Yeah, but they never have to climb up the scaffolding to do that. That's true. 
So when they try to escape, why don't they try and cut the same way as they, they go when they carry? Which is through the rocket, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> and they can do that carrying supposedly heavy explosives. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. I never thought about that before, actually. No, I mean, that happened. Paul, you, then... You've just ruined Genesis the Daleks for everybody now. <laughs> well done. I hope you're satisfied. <laughs> Oh, it, just, it just sort of occurred to me it wasn't, you know where was they loading that stuff <laughs> <laughs> that is a very very good point That is, an, yeah, where the hell is it going <laughs> oh crikey no, I, I just I mean, that's, I think that's the thing that the thing that struck most for me was the, 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 the changes in dialogue because I, so I can basically memorised most of the dialogue from Genesis the Daleks and reading it in a slightly different way um, didn't quite work for me. I, I don't know if that was a, a fault of the book or a fault of the, the fact that I've seen Genesis the Daleks so many times or too many times. Yeah, yeah, I, I suspect it's more a fault of you've seen it too many times. Yeah, more than likely. More than likely. Because it, it's even sort of the... Um, when the, when the when the that that time lord meets the doctor on Scaro, I mean the, the the dialogue is is slightly elongated as well, and certain things that the the way the doctor responds to it is is a little bit different um, as well, and the way sort of Sarah and Harry react to a lot of what goes on again it, it's different, and some of the the speeches that sort of Ronson makes or Garman makes as well, neither as well is all completely completely different um well not completely but subtly different in the book it's just a bit more wordy yeah um which i i found quite surprising actually because terence doesn't usually change a lot of dialogue does it which might again draws me back to this whole thing maybe this was from the original script yeah maybe yeah maybe i don't know i don't know to playing with it on set and so I don't really want to say it like that. Can I say it like this? Or? Yeah, because yeah, I know sort of Tom well, Baker was very much there. Because I don't know what wasn't the. Oh, I'm trying to remember actually the, the whole thing—the Doctor being strangled by the the Carl of Mutant. Was wasn't that sort of bit more improvised? Uh, I don't. I can't remember. Quite like no. I, I, something seems to. Something's jog, sort of nagging at my memories about that. I mean, I could be completely and utterly wrong on that. Although that was sort of done a bit more on the on the fly, on that, how to sort of how to sort of re- resolve that, or not resolve, but introduce a cliffhanger to that to that episode. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, taking into consideration, though, I, I mean, I rattled through this book quite quickly. I mean, it's a six episode um, story, and yeah. we t- we tend to avoid reading novels, novelisation of six episode stories, but mainly because of the amount of time we have to sort of read read the book and and watch the DVD. As well, um, I, I think I think the problem was though that this is isn't a a long six episode story novelization, is it? Oh God, no, it's, no. You know, it, I think that's I think that's just over the hundred pages or whatever. Yeah, so. I think that's that's the thing about the target novelizations of, of that time of the seventies. They were knocked out fairly quickly for children to read quickly. Yeah. Um, sort of grabbed their attention, and then it, it, it was done. And I think when we when we did the novelisation of Battlefield, for argument's sake, um, I thought that was drawn out 
quite a bit. And that was quite a bit of a, a lengthy read to get through. Yeah. And I think that that point, um, I don't know, maybe it got a little bit, even the realizations were getting a little bit self-indulgent. Um, I don't know. Because no, nothing was missed out at all in that, was it? Everything no. was sort of elongated. Um Whereas the, 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 there is a distinct difference between the title novelisation of the 70s and the 80s. And there, there was a case that they yeah. were just trying to get out books that were to, to bring out a book, you know, in time for people to, at the time when people would be saying, oh, I could really just like to enjoy that story again. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, and especially it depends really if the, You've got a case of whether the actual person who's written the story it does the novelization or not, because they always tend to. You always tend to get a bit more from the person who's written. Yes. It, a because they try to go back and put in the bits that were cut. Yeah. Because they or the bits that just couldn't be filmed for budgetary reasons. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. But there wasn't any of that in this book, though, was there? No, but but you, but you be didn't honest. need it in this. I mean, it just does go back to the fact that this was such, I think, a well-rounded story, and the speeches in it were were perfect, really. Yeah, yeah, I can't, the, the, I can't disagree with that. I mean, I mean, the whole, you know, do I have the right speech, mm. and what goes on around that stands up against anything. And the Davros about the just you know bit, bit of pressure by my thumb, yeah, and everything dies sort of thing. That just works so so well still. Yeah, I think that's the thing. As, as I said previously, I mean there are so many the ones we you know the scenes we talked about that were slightly different in the book. You know they're so iconic. Um, and I think that's that's the thing with this serial. The whole thing is iconic. Hmm. You know, that's that. You know, that's why it's voted. You know, the most, the, you know, the most popular serial, um, or has been on that on a, you know, number yeah. of occasions. I don't know if it still is or not. Oh, but, one scene I really did like in the book. Yeah. Was when they go to get the tape back from the safe, mm. and the doctor actually pulls a chair up to demonstrate ah. how Davros couldn't. Yes. Reach the. You just sort of get the bit about the, you know, his arm and whatever, but they don't really go. And the safe in in the TV thing is so ridiculously high <laughs> that neither has difficulty reaching it. <laughs> you know, yes, right. But in the he book, it, he's just literally, you know, out of reach of someone from, from Davros in his wheelchair. I know. I mean, that, I mean, that, that is. I mean, actually, it's the most ridiculous looking safe as well on the TV. Yeah. I got. I didn't notice how silly it looks, to be honest with you, but. Um... I mean, they have taken that. I mean, that, that must have just been somebody had got that to build the set. Yeah. Safe has to be too high for Davros to reach. Yeah. <laughs> and whether they didn't have any idea that Davros was actually going to be in a wheelchair or not, and they got that. <laughs> so they just built this safe, yeah, that, you know, it, it, nearly, it neither nearly needs to pull a chair up to stand on. <laughs> actually, you just reminded something else about that, um, that particular scene, is after... Um, they destroy the tape with that Dalek gun. And yeah. Nida makes his escape while they're doing that, and they're locked in. And yeah. I think one of the things that always sort of bugged me is that why don't they just use the gun to blast the door open? Yeah. Um, but in the book, they they 
address that, or Terence Dix addresses that by saying, "Well, the the, the battery is almost flat. So there's not enough power to 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 blast the door open with the, with a Dalek gun." I thought, well, at least that that yeah. addresses that little. Yeah, little... They, they they do it a bit, don't they? Yeah, but not but not, not enough. Yeah, and the fact that it's a key lock. I know. <laughs> rather than. I was going to mention that. Yeah, there's a key on the other side. Right, he's left the key in it. The other side. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> um, interestingly, lack lack in the book. Hmm. Lack of sonic screwdriver. Yes. Um, getting back to the to the door, and the being locked and not being able to open it. Mm. Is the fact they try the sonic screwdriver on it and can't do it? Yeah, well, he just hasn't got it at all during the whole of this. No, exactly. I can't think of it ever being mentioned once in the book. No, I can't. To be honest. Now, whether, no, I don't know whether, whether Terence Dix just didn't really like the sonic screwdriver. Do you think, or? Uh... I'm not. I'm now trying to think of the other novelizations we've. We've had and how much he uses. I'll now have to make a note of that to keep an eye out for that for the future. Well, to be to be honest, one if they've got that, if they try to open the door with the Dalek gun, the the, the sonic screwdriver is pretty superfluous, to be honest, isn't it? Yeah, but there's the there's the actual when they try to when he first captures the general, um, him and Harry. Yeah, and the doctor destroys the communications thing with the sonic screwdriver in the TV. Oh, he just smashes it, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. In the book. So he doesn't use it there either. So that's not just a case of... No, you're right, you're right. He wanted yeah. to use something else. He just literally does not want... He does not mention it at all. It just doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. It just doesn't feature whatsoever. No, you're absolutely right. No. And I don't know whether that... that obviously, is, is that now... Is now I'm now thinking, is that a conscious decision by Terence Dix? And now have I now got to keep a... An eye out for does he remove it from other stories? Well, the thing is, I think I mean back in this particular era of Doctor Who, the the, the sonic screwdriver wasn't overused hmm. um, as much as it is now, and and I'm probably saying Tom Baker's era probably not as overused as much as it was in the Pertwee era. No, to be honest, and and I can't remember from our um, any of the, the Pertwee novelizations that we've covered so far. Um, whether the sonic screwdriver has been sort of written out or or, or this is, this is conveniently ignored, to, I should say. But, uh, this is now what I'm trying to remember. So I think have to have to will have to make a note of in future Terence Dick stories and yes, keep an eye out to see whether or not. Well, and, and anything, and anything, it is a, yeah, anything prior to the visitation, anyway. So <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, there's, there's still plenty of Terence. Oh, there's plenty to choose from, yes, I know. <laughs> no, I just said the visitation, that's where the sonic screwdriver got destroyed, so I'm just yeah. thinking about, uh, um, yeah, anything prior to that. I'm <laughs> just thinking about Brian Byrne. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. the Drop device. the sonic device. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, to be honest with you, there's not much more I can really say about this novelisation because it, it follows the, the 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 you know the all the the, the plot beats. It follows the the TV yeah. version to the to the letter more or less, doesn't it? Yeah, there, there, there's not yeah a, a lot you can say in this that doesn't sort of radically happen. change anything. Yeah. No, it's just the odd bit of and dialogue. You don't, you don't get or... you don't you don't get any background. I think it just was such a well written 
story in the first place that to have actually tried to have changed much more than they did would have been would have probably been more disappointing than well than leaving yeah. it as is exactly so. i think that's the thing because i think i mean the, th- the fact that they sort of push back against terry nation sort of like oh come on to you you just submitted the same old thing again and they sort of actually yeah sort of challenged him to come up with something different um yeah it just goes to show when pushed he could come up with a with an out and out you know, classic really yeah you know so i'm, I'm not uh you know wh- why would you change perfection to be honest also thinking the book actually just thinking the other thing is they sort of tone down the nazi uh comparisons i don't think you get so much of the salutes and that in the book do you no no, you don't. Have um, I, I just whitewashed through that as I was read? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I can't. I can't really remember it being. Well, I think that was more. So. Yeah, I think that was more of, of, of a production yeah. decision, and yeah, and actually, even after episode one, they've toned it down a little bit with regards to Nida, especially because the yeah, they, they took his with cross the Iron away, Cross. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, yeah, I don't know why they sort of decided to. Keep it in a bit. I mean, surely they should have decided, sort of, oh, no, that's a bit too strong to film a whole episode and then realise, no, that's a bit too strong, and then remove it for the remaining five. It's a bit, it yeah. just sort of sticks out a little bit, to be honest. But, um, I mean, I suppose that's the speed at which they shot everything. Oh, God, that yeah. They, they'd, they'd shot it, and then I suppose they then went and saw a rough cut of their stuff before they did the next that shoot the some of the next scenes, and suddenly they decided, oh, we've overdone it then. But obviously, they're not got the budget to go back go back and do it again no you feel all these scenes again yeah 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 Yeah. so so you're stuck they're stuck with it to a certain extent but they just obviously toned it down realized they they'd overdone it and toned it down as they went yeah yeah i think apart from that there's a a few sort of character descriptions are a little bit different i think the cavill character is is short and squat really is it was fat really i think the way that terence sticks described him um which well, nothing like that in the TV series, anyway. Um, no, and isn't Garmin um, sort of tall and thin? Yeah, but the TV series is quite a big, a big chap, isn't he? So yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, I mean, I would certainly recommend people read this book. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah, it, it's just it's just a good story. It's it's basically. You cannot get too much of Genesis of the Daleks. I really. certainly can't, no. And I, I dare say there's a, quite a few of our listeners out there who would um, have the same opinion. Certainly yep. have the same opinion. So, uh, no, good. I, I was I was looking forward to, to reading it and I was sort of hoping, I was sort of hoping I'm not going to be, I'm really hoping I wasn't going to be disappointed by it. And, and to be honest, I wasn't, really. No. I wasn't disappointed. It, it sort of, some no, things I, yeah, didn't... Yeah, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the story. Just, just slightly, you sort of think, oh, just, just something to have... Made me sit up and think. Oh, I hadn't looked at that character like that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, that 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 was what the only thing that was missing, really. Hmm. Yeah. There we go. So, there we go. There we go. No, that's good. That's good. Um, so on our next podcast, which will be in a, a, a sort of like week after next, hopefully. Um, what are we up to? We're up to our. We're back to our series one retrospective, aren't we? Yes. Yes, we are, and it's Dalek. Funnily enough. Another, is, yeah. another Dalek theme story, but uh, but again another 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 classic story, which one I haven't watched for a long time. So um, yes, 
and I'm looking forward to that as well. Same here. Let's see if that one still holds up for us as well. So, um, yes. Then after that, we're back to a big finish store um, review. So we'll have to select one because you've gone mad lately on on buying them, haven't you? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so I have to see what what we're up to on that one. What what doctor we haven't covered for a while? I can't quite remember to be honest. Yeah, we'll have to have a look. Yes, yes, we'll have to uh, sort that one out. But definitely in the next episode, we're back to our series one retrospective with Dalek. So we've got uh, yeah. Well, we, certainly we've got to look forward to that anyway. I don't know about anyone else, but uh, <laughs> huh. but there you go. So um, I think that just about wraps this episode up, really, doesn't it? It does. Yes, it does indeed. Okay then. So until next time then. It is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who podcast alliance. Who's he?